0: It's the
1: Meg John and
0: Just them podcast. podcast. Yay! <laughs> that was good. Well yeah. done, everyone. Um, <laughs> uh, the eagle eared listener will hear that we have a guest on the show.
1: Yeah, we're doing yes. guests. And we have Rachel O'Neill um, to talk about her excellent book, um, Seduction Men, Masculinity, and Mediated Intimacy. Thanks Welcome for having to the me. Show. Yeah, thank uh, you very for exciting. Having
0: me uh, we're new to having guests, but uh, you know, we're kind of getting into it. Yeah. We? yeah. Well, we
1: have loads of friends who are like really like their work and just thought it would be really interesting because it touches on a lot of the themes that we explore on the show. Yeah. Um, so it's just really nice to have people who are like practitioners or academics or activists and come come and chat with us about the things we chat about.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And if you enjoy us chatting about this kind of stuff, then please do subscribe to the podcast and uh, mm-hmm. make John with SoundCloud.com forward slash forward slash Meg John Justin and tell your friends tell your friends to subscribe as well and like us and leave us a review on iTunes that'd be nice yeah that'd be great yeah so I guess we're going to talk about your book Rachel uh, and more generally about seduction and seduction communities Mm and masculinity yeah Uh, we've kind of talked a bit about uh, some of these themes when we've been talking about Uh, consent and me too stuff but uh be good to talk specifically about this we reckon yeah definitely um so do you want to start off by kind of like um with like a brief overview or i guess like defining the terms of what we're talking about sure and that'd be useful
2: so the seduction industry essentially exists to give heterosexual men various kinds of skills training and practical advice about how to meet and relate to women yeah Mm -hmm. and I was very interested to understand what it is that draws men to this cultural formation, to this industry. Mm-hmm. So why is it that men would pay to attend seduction events where they're mm-hmm. being taught by a trainer uh, in a classroom setup? or? Out on the streets to go and approach women. Mm-hmm. Why would they read seduction books and guidebooks and handbooks? Why would they watch videos about this topic online? Mm-hmm. I was interested in the question of, of what makes seduction so compelling. Yeah, and so it's quite a big industry. You're saying it is. Mm-hmm. It is. It's something that I mean. It's difficult to get a sense of the numbers involved. There mm-hmm. have been estimates that this is an industry with a value of over a hundred million dollars a year. Gosh. Now I haven't verified that figure yeah. specifically, but what I can say is that the communicative reach of the seduction industry is huge. So this is something that Um. many men might find themselves browsing for information about you know how to talk to girls, how to talk to women, and this is one of the things that they would find very quickly. Right. Is they would find seduction related advice specifically in a if they were looking for maybe general information online or putting these kinds of search terms in mm-hmm. and also the if you're looking at the the mailing lists for some of these companies, they're absolutely huge. So some yeah. of these companies are mm-hmm. really small. They might only have four or five people working for them, mm-hmm. but they have mailing lists running into the tens and hundreds of thousands. Wow. Uh- yeah. And then also some of the videos on YouTube, similarly, can, mm. achieve, can, can accrue tens, hundreds of thousands of, vi- of views, mm. sometimes millions of views, depending mm. on the topic and the trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is something that has a huge communicative reach, mm-hmm. such that some of the men I spoke to even described it as an open secret among heterosexual men, that mm. a lot of men know about this, but do not talk about
1: it to one ah, another. Ah, interesting. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, Gosh. yeah. So... Um, uh, listeners might also know uh, these folks as, like, pickup artists, I guess, as well. And that that's and this is, like, the seduction community as well. We're talking, mm-hmm. I hear there are other terms that we use to talk about it.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the language... I mean, the kind of self referential term that is used is, is seduction community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the book, I do challenge the idea that this actually functions as a community. Yeah. This is really more of a movement market or mm-hmm. a community industry hybrid because there are significant yeah. commercial interests involved. Right. So that's one of the reasons that I, I tend to use the language of seduction industry mm-hmm. as,
1: as a way of kind of foregrounding that. Yes, yeah, so it's not like just like a community of people who've come together to chat about things and support each other. It's actually become an industry of actually selling tools and techniques and events and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I guess if exactly. it was a
0: community, it would probably um, act as a disincentive for people buying more seduction um, materials, right? Because if they were actually talking to each other about how it yeah. didn't really work and how it was actually making them feel, that it might actually undermine what they're mm. trying mm-hmm. to sell. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's an in- so it's this industry which is. Um, uh, teaching men the the powers of seduction and how important that is Mm, mm -hmm. Um, so what um, so how is it that they're so popular do you think what is it that they're tapping into and why is it that people keep going for for this stuff
2: I think one of the things and in the book I try and trace it through a whole variety of roots so one chapter is looking at the kind of um, ideas of selfhood that mm. are contained and promoted with the industry. Mm. Another chapter looks at the relationships among men themselves. Mm. Both relationships among men more broadly, the kind of homosocial dynamics that you might find in a classroom or an office setting, mm-hmm. um, the spaces where men learn how to be men and are, yeah. have masculinity confirmed or denied. Mm-hmm. So that's a really important aspect of it. And then it's also about uncertainty with women and wanting to have a kind of Um, absolute truth that you can subscribe to Mm. and so all these factors Mm. really come together to make seduction compelling because there's a promise that all the uncertainty all the anxieties that go along Mm. with meeting people having relationships um, finding sexual partners all these kinds of things those anxieties those uncertainties can be ameliorated Mm. because there's a system there's a set of skills that once you learn Mm. You can implement. And I think that's one of the things that really makes seduction so compelling. It's the mm. sense of certainty yeah. and the promise that uncertainty
1: will be alleviated. And yeah. that makes it actually similar then to the really the whole self-help industry mm. mm-hmm. in that sense. It's like it's, it's telling people there's some lack and some uncertainty that's really hard and here if you buy our products then you know if you buy this book you'll find this set of a system that Mm -hmm. you can do like Mm -hmm. like the rules you know absolutely absolutely Mars
2: and Venus or yeah Mm -hmm. and I think something then in relation to wider self-help cultures Mm -hmm. and particularly sex and relationship advice what makes this even kind of doubly compelling is that so much of the normative advice that's prescribed elsewhere is directed towards heterosexual women right yeah. and it's about cultivating femininity and it's about becoming alluring and mm. making oneself available for men to approach etc whereas this is is very different because it's mostly produced by heterosexual men and directed towards heterosexual men mm-hmm. and again this is something that many of the men I spoke to described. And they felt frustrated by the fact that women are given so much advice and Mm -hmm. so much of uh, conversations among women are about relationships. And and women have that kind of emotional and relational support network. Yeah. And many of the men I spoke to felt that they didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And then so this industry is really tapping into the kind of privatizing effects of masculinity on men where they're not able to have discussions about yeah. um, uncertainty in relation to women and sex mm. among themselves and so here is an industry that promises you that you 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 can well one you can have these conversations and two you will fix the problem that yeah. you're coming to it with and right. so that makes seduction almost doubly compelling
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: well so it's really tapping into insecurities about masculinity um, around that idea of that we have to be successful at everything, um, mm-hmm. and also to be, particularly to be successful at sex and dating. I think the thing that was running through my mind when you were talking there was the idea of the subject and the object, and how so much of the, uh, which is, I guess I learned about that from Simone de Beauvoir, but the um, the idea that the, the advice that women get around sex and dating is how to be the perfect object. Mm. Um, and I guess this is about retelling men how to be the subject: How to go out there and get the things that you want. Mm. I and mean, in neither of those cases, are people really being encouraged to think about what might I actually want from sex and relationships mm. and dating? What might I actually want for myself and yeah. from another person? You'll and have how to might be a I connect with, with another
1: else. subject? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <clears throat>
2: absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And that's one of the the difficulties with this is that in teaching men seduction, you're not only teaching them how to relate to to women; you're teaching them. A certain definition of subjecthood, which is the ability to act one's will on the world, mm. to exercise mm. an almost supreme form of agency or mastery, mm. and that's something that then again becomes very difficult when you are trying to
1: interact with with other people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So it's not there's not an even footing or a sense of mutuality or mm-hmm. equality mm-hmm. at all. Yeah,
2: yeah. Because it, mm. it does become about this this development of a of a skill, mm-hmm. and there's an idea that once you can cultivate this skill correctly and you fully master it, mm. then Again, you will be able to have the kinds of interactions and relationships and encounters that, mm. that you want. Yeah. But something that I saw quite often, and it's interesting just in that you use the word success, because that was exactly something, this narrative of success and failure that was kind of wrought through men's descriptions of their own sexual history and sexual desires. They often had this very aspirational approach Mm. to sex and dating. Mm. They didn't want to simply meet women. Most of the men I spoke to, contrary to popular assumptions that these men have no relationships with women, they're completely inept with women, Mm. the vast majority of men I spoke to had had lots of different kinds of relationships, some were still in relationships. It wasn't Mm. that they were entirely lacking in sexual experience, it's that they had taken on this very aspirational view of sex and intimacy and dating. They Mm. wanted and I use inverted commas here, higher quality partners, a better caliber of Mm. sexual partner.
1: Wow. Mm.
2: And so they had this idea, they were very much lodged within Mm. this idea of success and failure, which had this aspirational quality wrought through this very kind of almost Mm. consumerist logic brought right into
1: the sexual realm. And I've heard you talk about it before and say that it even links in with other forms of success that there is almost a sense of these skills as transferable skills so you're going to be better in work as well and you're going to get more money and it sort of ties into this whole like what does a successful man look like? Absolutely. And I think this is such a fascinating aspect
2: of it. Mm. Some of the men... And the reason, so I speak about it in the book as cultivating a sexual work ethic because it is about working at sex yeah. and intimacy and dating. But there often was this idea that the kind of skills that you would develop, the kind of so-called soft skills of mm. relationality and emotional attunement would not only hold hold you well in the intimate and sexual sphere, but they would be very much of use in navigating education and employment. Mm. And so there was this idea that Okay, I've been practicing seduction for some time and maybe I haven't seen the kind of results that I want with women, yeah. but I really have seen them in my professional life. I had numerous men tell me this, mm. which really gets really demonstrates just how kind of managerial and programmatic the whole approach is because mm. these yeah. are literally skills that people want to use in the workplace. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. To make them yeah, to make them a better worker, a better tool of capitalism. Mm. It's and it's very and I mean, better with, than
1: others. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Competitive, it's, very competitive. It is like a
0: marketplace, isn't it? Where people are burnishing up their skills and putting it on their CV and mm-hmm. getting better at things. And, and it, when it's framed in, it, when you bring in the workplace, it kind of frames it in that way. And in the same way that um, that kind of sexual entrepreneurship happens with sex advice as well, right? Yeah. Which you talked mm. about in your also, also excellent book, MJ. Another excellent <laughs> book from MJ, Shock,
1: sure. uh, called <laughs> "Mediated Intimacy,"
0: <laughs> uh, written with Laura Harvey and Ros Gill. That yeah. idea of sex advice becoming a commodity and a thing that um, that people use in order to make them better at sex mm. in order to be uh, to. In- to kind of yeah, to improve themselves rather than mm. to have more enjoyable sex.
1: Yeah, it makes me a little uncomfortable as well, though, because I think you know I do buy into something of this in the sense you know we talk about like these the the things that you can learn from sex that kind of translate to the whole rest mm. of the world. We yeah. talked about sort of being present and consent, mm-hmm. you know. So you know that part of it I buy into, and it's just it's sort of got so flipped, you mm. know, to the things I'd want people to learn. Because what, cause what actually makes really good sex is is being, you know, really there with another person and yeah. not treating someone like an object and not treating yourself like an object mm-hmm. and being consensual and being mm. vulnerable and being with your feelings. And it feels like there's this whole industry that's surrounding almost the opposite of all of those things. And as if that that would make you a good person in the world would be the opposite of all those things but I do think yes. there's something to that idea that it translates the way, oh. the way of being in sex to the way I of being
0: mm. I think they're both translated in the same way. Yeah. That actually, um, if you're using um, a technique in sex uh, and it doesn't go very well, then, rather than feeling like vulnerable and rejected, and feeling like you're not good enough, you can blame the technique. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than to really look at yourself and look at the nature of the interaction, and to look at what could be mm-hmm. better, that's the really vulnerable stuff. Yeah. When people are being sold like a set of tools, then they can blame the tools, right? Rather yes. Than, mm. And they can either utilise the tools and find that they're not really working well enough, but or then they can go and buy some more tools mm. rather than to really reflect on that their, their own stuff. Is that what uh, the men that you were talking to in your in your book were is that something that they were finding or
2: absolutely and it's so interesting that you use that language of tools because that's exactly how men i spoke to put it right so there's one participant in particular anwar who said you know he'd gone on this seduction training um event he had paid i think about 700 pounds to do so and he had wanted to essentially um, create a, re- a romantic relationship with somebody that he had a platonic friendship with. Right. And so he was really interested in in making this a, a sexual encounter or sexual relationship. And he came off the course, and actually it had the complete opposite effect. The <laughs> woman was so put off by how he was treating her, She he, she said he had become really arrogant and right. indifferent, and she really didn't like it. And he, speaking about it, said that he had failed to master the tools. Wow. They had given him tools, but he had failed to use them correctly. Gosh, and so wow. he really blamed himself for failing to use the tools because the tools right. were almost incontrovertible because other men have used them successfully uh, so it must be me Yeah.
1: Right. and
2: at the end of that discussion and he says blame i blame myself and the tools the tools again mm-hmm. and at the end of that he told me that he was considering signing up for a more expensive more wow. intensive program mm-hmm. and so it it, it had it kind of feeds this idea that you have to continue investing and buying in. Now, that's not the case for everyone, Mm. but I did see that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And one trainer I spoke to actually compared compared it to – the industry and fad diets mm-hmm. and told yeah. me that this is an industry that feeds itself because what we're promising is so
1: phenomenal and men mm-hmm. wanted so much yeah so like you read the book about it and you don't get it but then it's kind of like well it's because you need to actually come on the weekend and mm-hmm. if you come on the weekend and you don't get it it's like well you need to really sign up to the more extensive mm-hmm. training program yeah yeah meanwhile
0: they're so completely out of touch with themselves and the people around them that they're not taking they're not really getting not even really understanding accountability either they're not understanding their responsibility for their own stuff they're not even recognising themselves mm. so in order, so by kind of blaming the tools or blaming themselves for not using the tools they're not actually properly making themselves accountable in terms of the decisions they've been making around why it is they're seeking out these tools why it is that this yeah. man in particular used those tools and his friend is now now more distant than than ever that there's no yeah where's the responsibility for for those people? and it's so it's kind of creating um it it's it's kind of creating a, a narrative that makes consent harder, right? because yeah. people are just treating each other as if they're both objects. So it's one yeah. object treating another person like an object, I guess yeah, sense.
1: yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it then it does really relate to a lot of the advice that's given to women. Because it's sort of, again, there's still that sense of a system or tools or games Mm. or techniques that, you know, you need to follow rather than a sense of, like, here's how to actually be intimate Mm. with other people. Mm, mm -hmm, Yeah. And mm -hmm. also, again, that real, like, opposite sex idea of, like, so men are this different species, you're going to need to learn how to play them. Mm -hmm. Is that something that came along? Absolutely. And I found this really quite extraordinary at times. I remember being at,
2: at an event and one of the participants... And it was kind of this classroom-style setup where the trainer was explaining something about maybe female psychology or social dynamics, something mm-hmm. like this. And one of the students had a question, and his question was, what do I talk to women about?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
2: at this baseline level, you know, Mm -hmm. what kinds of things are women interested in? Mm -hmm. What do they want to hear about? And I was just so stunned that he really had bought into this idea of men and women as being entirely different species, and he would have to learn what kinds of topics women are interested in, as though all women are all interested in the same topics. Mm -hmm. And the trainer took this question entirely seriously and and answered it by saying, you know, don't talk about politics, don't talk about religion, talk about celebrity. Yeah. talk about popular culture and talk about shopping
1: yeah gosh but this runs through so many different you know areas where men mostly relate to men because I had a I was talking to a friend of a friend who was part of like you know very different category of sort of men only spaces mm-hmm. um, in terms of kind of quite quite sort of upper class kind of area like it was sort of had been to Oxbridge or whatever and was now, you know, really hanging out with, with just other men. And I was kind of questioning this and he, and he said, you know, we need a space where we don't talk about shopping and handbags. And wow. I'm like, like, you know, it seems like it's you know, mm. ac- across the board is that there's this sense that, you know, men need men only space because, you know, women are this different species that only have interest in, like you say, those kind of topics. Absolutely. It's really scary. Yeah. And
2: mm. the idea that you would even though you might not talk, find these topics interesting mm. you would go along in speaking about them in order mm. to get towards a particular end yeah. so you're not actually necessarily enjoying the conversation or the encounter whatsoever yeah. but there's somewhere that you want to get to yeah. and you're using these mm. conversation topics as leverage towards your own end yeah.
0: yeah let's talk about the cultural aspects of this it's not mm. like pick up artists invented the word seduction right nope. say so, you know let's maybe let's talk about that a little bit mm. and talk about where uh, we can blame culture um, Mm, rather than also these individuals that we might have our own views about. But, um, you know, where I guess let's, we don't have to talk about the history of seduction, but let's talk about seduction as a cultural Mm. idea. And I mean, it just seems so immediately problematic, but it's, it's kind of, but a lot of people don't think it is problematic. I wonder why that is. Mm.
2: Well I think it it feeds into very normative ideas about what what sex should be and yeah. you know it should be this kind of spontaneous encounter that unfolds between people and maybe men should be the pursuers men should be kind of initiating mm. directing the encounter and women should be in some sense um w- Stopping and starting, you know, kind of uh, holding back, you know, managing the timing of things. But men are really the ones who are pursuing the encounter. And it feeds into all those kinds of ideas in a way that Mm.
1: is absolutely taken for granted among so many people. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that that is what's romantic, that is what's Mm -hmm. pleasurable, that Mm -hmm. is, you know, that is sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's appalling, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) it's appalling. I mean, people still talk about seduction in quite benign ways though I don't really it's and also it's in so many films right yeah. you know so so many rom-coms exactly. mm. films around this idea that this is a very benign thing and that the idea that well first of all it's always men pursuing a woman mm. um, well most often and um, and that that kind of idea that women want it really and yeah you know, and, uh, it's really if, if we just unpack the um, some of the messages around that stuff it's so clearly non-consensual and mm. um, especially this idea that women have to hold
1: the man at bay yeah. so, mm-hmm. it, so the whole thing is you don't listen to the no mm. or the maybe yes. because you know clearly that's just part of the game mm-hmm. yeah. so mm-hmm. it's a really disturbing narrative or, yeah. or
0: that you can do what you like until somebody says the word no yeah, you yeah. Know, mm-hmm. and people rarely say the word Mm. No, and in in social or sexual relational situations mm. as we've talked about before mm. um, which just in podcast, <laughs> um, several times but yeah. so it's kind of so there's already this um cultural issue at play that these people are really tapping into plus the masculinity uh mm. thing the idea that mm. is it is it also kind of tapping into the idea that that um kind of started happening with like men's rights activists that men have kind of lost their way they don't know who they are anymore and uh I should say we don't know who we are anymore being <laughs> a man um mm-hmm. as if uh, you've seen the film um, magnolia there's uh, mm-hmm. like a pickup artist in that mm-hmm. played brilliantly by tom cruise yeah
1: it's one of the best tom cruise roles ever I <laughs> it's fucking like awesome yeah, yeah yeah um mm. uh,
0: m- maybe i'll include a quote here the, the actual quote from tom cruise because i can't bring myself to say it but no, it's a brilliant quote um yeah. But, yeah, you know, th- so this idea that kind of men have lost their way mm. in this more equal world and all, all mm. of that actually is bullshit because we still have this, we still have um, men are seen as subjects and women are seen as objects, but mm. all of this is taking us away from. From what it is that we actually need, in order to establish um, meaningful, engaged, connected bonds with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, yeah, it's all moving in the, the opposite direction to what would even you know. It's this horrible paradox because it's the opposite direction for what would really give the mm. the guys what they so, what they seem to be looking for in the first place. Yeah. Absolutely, um, it takes them down a whole yeah kind of completely different direction. This yeah. in a way opposite to that. Mm. Yeah, we have this really
2: long-standing discourse of masculinity in crisis men in crisis. This yeah. is something that we can trace back at a discursive level so in culture, in in media, I mean in a quite amplified way over the last 40 years but it's been argued that you could trace it back even further than that. Right. that's From interesting, so yeah. it's not a new thing No, it's, it's, mm. it's not a new thing but what's interesting about it is that I and and this is something that you see in a lot of representations, cultural representations of of pickup artists, is this idea of of men in crisis. Mm-hmm. So that you see this in uh, Frank T J Mackey, who's the Magnolia character. Yeah. You see this in the game. Mm-hmm. Some of the characters of that are mm-hmm. portrayed as suffering mental health issues, mm-hmm. and in a sense, a lot, a lot of these issues are true. Yeah, you know, it, there there are huge social problems, uh, mental health problems that are, are, are real, are absolutely existing. Yeah. You know, I think I am continually stunned by the fact that suicide is the leading cause of death mm. among men under yeah. the age of 45. Yeah. That is a shocking statistic and one that we, we genuinely yeah. need to reckon with so much more. Mm. So the idea of masculinity in crisis, there are serious issues mm. going on among men. Mm. That's absolutely the case. Mm. I'm not in any way trying to question that. What I worry about with the discourse of masculinity and crisis, as we commonly hear about it, is the idea that the problem is between men and women yeah. the problem is yeah. that women are doing too well and it's at the cost of men so women yeah. are doing really well women are succeeding in education and employment and mm. you know are achieving more high-powered careers and et cetera. Et cetera. women mm. are making all these gains and it's it's to the detriment of men men are losing out
1: yeah i yeah. that's
2: the problem I for me game. yeah you know be, yeah. absolutely yeah. The, the idea that it's a zero-sum game yeah. and this was something that many of the men i spoke to you bought into in some way and what was frustrating about it was that it actively diverted attention away from the real material economic problems that i see as underlying so much yeah. of the strife and strain that patterns and colors their lives mm-hmm. it actively takes their attention away yeah. from class politics it actively takes their attention away from racism yeah. and says the problem is gender yeah. when actually so many of the
1: problems at least the yeah. men that i spoke to a lot of the problems were material they were economic yeah Yeah. I think that you see that as the same don't you in the kind of worry about boys in school doing less well the focus is all on gender boys versus girl and actually a lot of the issues are around class and race Mm -hmm. they're not really Mm -hmm. they're not really Mm -hmm. gender Mm -hmm. and it's like it it sweeps those under the carpet by Mm -hmm. focusing on this and then it it tackles it in this very individualistic way rather Mm -hmm. than the yeah, the social structures but the, yeah. the,
0: the individual individualistic responses that work with men are those that navigate masculinity and mm-hmm. unpack masculinity and think about them and think about how masculinity fails men mm-hmm. by not giving them by not allowing them to address any of the things that they really need to in order to understand their problems mm-hmm. and so in my work with young men that and most of my work has been with with young men over the years that it's often said that you know young men don't talk to each other, and that is a problem. Actually, you can create spaces where young men are talking talking mm, to each other mm. about very big stuff and very, um, uh, you know, lots of the, the challenging things that they really worry about. But they don't talk about having talked about it. Mm. But, and also, there's a lot of work involved in creating spaces where they feel safe enough to talk about it. Yeah. And those spaces might not be around for very long. So it might be in kind of um, in uh post two-point conversations in a pub but in that space between being a little bit tipsy and being really pissed there might be an opportunity Mm -hmm. for men to talk about stuff that's actually happening for them or in my experience working with young men in a clinical setting where they felt in in the room we were in it was a confidential space but the thing is what the the thing that people don't want to address it seems to me with um In the seduction industry, is that masculinity is really part of the problem here, and that's Mm -hmm. the thing that we can't sell, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you can't make money out of saying maybe we could all actually rethink what masculinity means and create a a space where we can talk about what makes us vulnerable and talk about Mm -hmm. how we need to feel connection with people and how we might go about doing that. Yeah, Um, and that really is the issue. And um, and in this neoliberal kind of world we're living in, where the market Mm. Um, uh, should always succeed and always knows best. best um, we can't win because we can't sell the idea that masculinity is part of the problem because mm. masculinity that's doesn't make money mm. <laughs> yeah and that, it seems like then there's so few other spaces
1: and it's yeah say that so that's where do men go well mm-hmm. seduction mm. industry is something mm-hmm. that is an actual mm-hmm. space that deals with their actual their real anxieties and mm-hmm. insecurities mm-hmm. and promises certainty so it makes a lot of spa- sense that people would go there
2: absolutely mm-hmm. and it's a really difficult one in terms of trying to reformulate masculinity because <laughs> arguably there's not a, if you're taking a kind of class analysis and look at men as a, as a class or as a, a social category it's not in their interest to give up masculinity in yeah. many cases because yeah. you get so much from it. Yeah. Now, there are huge problems with it, absolutely, particularly in terms of emotional constraints that are, are placed upon men and that men place onto one another. But the material interests that you gain from according to and acceding to masculinity are, yeah. are potentially huge. Yeah. And so it's how do we try and convince men that, the, that there are things that they can gain. But at, at a certain point, they have to also know that there are things that they will lose. Yeah, and it's whether or not at a um, at an emotional level whether or not they can accept that.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and that's where a kind of an intersectional look in masculinity I think is important as well because often when um, young men feel like they have little other option, they all they know is that they have um, they can re- uh, revert back to what they've been taught about masculinity, so they've always got that they. Um, can act in a sexist or violent way towards women. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they could put a woman down. Or they can um, act in a homophobic or biphobic or transphobic way mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. That, that's something mm-hmm. that they, they always have recourse to. It's kind of like their backstop always have that that's the go-to mm, yeah. exactly and so it's that's bonding often, it? Yeah. and it
1: you know it really gives people a sense of you know camaraderie and Absolutely. yeah but
0: also there are those studies that look at young men's homosocial behavior how young men mm. can be quite soft and tender towards each other but they, those studies are always with young men who are quite privileged yes. So they're often yes. young men at university from middle class backgrounds who mm-hmm. so can be quite soft and tender yeah, or because they of or, yeah. because mm. they're feeling they have all the other sense of privileges so Mm. Um, Ugh,
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And also, I mean, exactly what you're saying. You know, when other um, things are put out of reach, the, there's this tendency to kind of double down on masculinity because at least this will give me something. Yeah. yeah. But then, even in cases where among more privileged groups of, of boys and men who are maybe able to become more tactile or emotionally open, yeah. that's not necessarily to say that that mm. really changes the way that they interact with women. Yeah. yeah. And this is an interesting thing because we know that you can have um, scenarios where men are very close and bonded to one another and still behaving terribly towards women. So this is one of those interesting things. I mean, I do think it's important to create these emotional spaces, um, and supportive networks among men. But I, I, hmm. because I don't know if we're reading or thinking of the same literature, but I do wonder about whether or not it necessarily means that those hmm. boys who are relating to women are relating better to, well, to and, women. Well, and
1: interestingly, similar things have been said around gay masculinity. Exactly. Of like, actually, you know, there's an awful lot of misogyny. Misogyny, in, absolutely. In, and, yeah. um, you know, non-consensual touch and things like that. Amongst, exactly. Uh, a lot yeah. of women, bonding yeah, among uh, men. Just, women. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Bonding among men doesn't necessarily have positive implications
1: for how they relate to yeah. interact with women. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah, this would be an interesting analysis of Queer Eye. I always come back to Queer Eye, yeah. but you know they do. It would be quite interesting to look at what yeah. kind of the relationships between the men and women on the show are encouraged. Mm. Yeah, I mean, women are never yeah. really
0: kind of focused on. Rarely, sometimes. And yeah, the relationships yeah. are. are yeah. Oh, we we really must do a yeah show by show by episode (laughs) deep analysis of queer eye yeah Yeah. perhaps the listener might pay for that and then you know we'll do that yeah that'd be an interesting thing to do we We could do do our own yeah Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) actually do a a completely uh flipped or revised version of queer i think that would be really interesting yeah
1: well we do to be fair justin and i do do that because just justin is my straight eye
0: yeah aren't you around, around wardrobe I'm, at least and, yeah. and sometimes
1: you know emotional relational issues
0: I'm the straight guy for the queer person exactly yeah.
1: um, <laughs> I, I mean you know the little tear that I did in my shirt that time that you yeah. you advised me to do and it did make it look a bit sexy so yeah. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: make it look like you've been you know you're very mistreated by somebody you're very keen for me nice to have, yeah,
1: but that's right that was what it was yeah. about but <laughs> you're keen for me to have turnips, and I'm not sure if I'm quite there with the turn-ups on my trousers oh <laughs> no you yeah. definitely
0: need to be going with the turn yes. particularly with those boots that would be good perhaps yeah Okay. although in some parts of Derbyshire you might be recruited into the BMP if you did have turn-ups with those boots but <laughs> I'm, not, those I'm not going to be in those parts of Derbyshire <laughs> in any time soon so yeah <laughs> um, so um, I think just Coming back to the men you were talking to in your book, um, was there any sense from those guys that uh, this really wasn't working for them and that they needed Mm. some, that they needed different kinds of help, different kinds of resources? Mm. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, there was this issue. For many of the men, there was a sense that it hasn't worked yet. This idea that if they kept trying, if they invested more time, energy, and importantly, money, Mm -hmm. then it would eventually give them what it is that they wanted. So they had this kind of... I talk about it as a kind of a a cruel optimism, where they're attached Mm -hmm. to seduction, even though seduction isn't giving them what they want. And in some cases, it's actually actively impeding them from the goal that brought them to it. So there's this kind of cruel optimism to it. In other cases, it actually became this quite consumptive, compulsive pursuit where they found themselves actually pursuing sexual encounters even when they didn't want to or ending relationships even when they didn't want to because they had to keep the skill Mm -hmm. they had they had worked so hard to develop this skill they wanted to maintain it and so they would go out and meet women and and take women home when they didn't want to Mm -hmm. and they would jettison relationships end relationships even when they didn't want to because the skill was so valuable because there's Mm -hmm. this emotional psychic attachment to it as this promise of certainty
1: yeah and a bit like I suppose a bit like gambling then you get that payoff every, every once in a while that mm-hmm. kind of keeps you hooked into it mm-hmm. yeah 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 and meanwhile
0: what's happening to their other relationships their relationship with themselves and their relationships with their friends and family mm-hmm. and right spirituality and
1: yeah you it's, know it's all just Eros and nothing else yeah, yeah yeah really sad
0: let's try and end on a more positive note let's think about how like what as people who are like sex and relationships educators in the broadest sense, Mm. like what could we offer these kinds of men that would be um, popular with them and but also more, you know, sustaining and nurturing and beneficial to the world? Like how can we break the seduction industry
2: (laughs) that's a great question so the last chapter in the book is called against seduction Mm. Um, and in terms of thinking about sex and relationships specifically um, i actually defer to both of you so i Mm. say in the book that you are offering excellent forms of sex and relationship advice that people should look to Mm. Um, i also say that if we want to counter the seduction industry we need to Think about things other than sex and relationship. We need to look elsewhere, and we particularly need to look at the economic structure yes. that we live in and the forms yeah. of subjectivity, the forms of personhood that are valued within yes. the neoliberal economic system, yeah. which is one of uh, entrepreneurship, of competition, yes. of yeah. self interested individualism. Yeah. And when that is the form of subjecthood that we take up and we bring with us into the various spheres of our lives is going to have huge yeah. problems in terms of the relationships we're able to sustain and, and have. And so I think that in confronting seduction, we need to, yes, try and offer alternatives specifically geared towards sex and relationships as a discrete topic yeah. mm. in some sense. But we also need to look at the wider ways of being that are being that are promoted in the yeah, world.
1: I completely agree. And it's kind of like where we come to with consent. It's like there's only so much you can do, really, in terms of getting people more consensual around you know, sex with a partner or with people I have hookups with, if you're not actually addressing sex in wider relationships, Mm -hmm. uh, consent rather in wider relationships, consent in the workplace, Mm -hmm. consent in communities and consent in wider culture. And again, that that culture is so non-consensual that you're describing Mm -hmm. that it's, you know, there's a limited amount an individual can do Mm -hmm. within that. that, You know, that's the wider culture needs to change as well.
0: But when those post-Thatcherite kind of... um, Neoliberalism uh, uh, politics come into play where it is person against person, and mm-hmm. um, you can um, you can always achieve if you just work hard on yourself. And, yeah, and there's no such thing as structural inequality. All you have to do is just to keep working hard, and you you know you'll do well. Like the American dream. Yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. a complete lie um and but that's but that really has filtered into all of our relationships you're saying and all of our our
1: lives but cruel optimism is a really really good way of putting it isn't it you know it's like the promise of happiness as well Mm -hmm. the sense that you know we can be happy we can be successful um all the time (laughs) yeah all the time we can have happily ever after relationships we can have great sex and you know we're constantly following Mm. that promise and what's you know really existentially horrible about the whole thing is it takes us further and further away from actually achieving any of those Mm -hmm, things mm -hmm. trying to have great sex stops Mm -hmm. us having great sex trying to be happy stops us being happy exactly the horizon
2: is always receding if
1: you're if you're focused on the horizon and running
2: towards it it's always moving further and further away yeah and so i think you know if i were giving advice to some of the men that i spoke to um i would say as well as the other issues the other things that we've talked about i would want to say Try investing in other areas of your life that do give you genuine yeah. satisfaction, happiness, mm-hmm. fulfillment. You know, whether that is maybe, you know, something creative that you do or mm-hmm. it's a form of community work that you do or it's politics or it's activism yeah. or it's an intellectual pursuit. Whatever it is yeah. that is genuinely fulfilling to you and, and and feels good in in the moment. Why not spend more time on those kinds of things
1: yeah. rather than so doggedly pursuing a particular sexual yeah. goal or relationship goal exactly and again probably the outcome would be that's a more interesting person to be around who's more lit up who seems more passionate they're going to be just much more appealing mm-hmm. to anyone who comes mm-hmm. across them who's mm-hmm. going to want to get to know mm-hmm. them better mm-hmm. it's like yeah yeah it'd probably be much
2: more satisfying yeah. than actually learning okay what are the topics i can talk to women about yeah just just go and do things that genuinely interest you exactly. and then you'll have things to talk about with anyone exactly yeah
0: yeah 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 Huh. just enjoy the process of going on a date or chatting to somebody. Yeah. Like, you know, what well, does this person have to say, well, that's interesting. Again,
1: and going in, you know, we've talked about before, yeah, go into a room and not be just focusing on where the, where the hot babe is, but like, you know, have that interesting conversation with whomever you get chatting with, whether or not you immediately find them physically attractive. You may find you know, that you have a much better, we well, will find you have a much better evening and yeah. you may make friends and you may find, you know, love in unexpected places. Yeah. Mm. You know, I'll that's the way to do parties, it. Definitely.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. So, um, let's bring this to a close, but is there mm. anything else you'd like to uh, flag up? Should we talk, should we mention the name of your book again? Yes. So, uh, tell, us, <laughs> tell us your book and where people might find it. It's
2: uh, called Seduction, mm-hmm. Men, Masculinity, and Mediated Intimacy and mm-hmm. it's published by Polity. Um, and it's available through the Polity website um, that's probably the best place to look for it. Cool. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and is there anything else you'd like to flag up? Any other projects of yours that you're working
2: on? Or? Um, I'm currently working on some other projects. Um, I'm doing some work on wellness culture at the moment, mm-hmm. which is quite interesting. It um, mm-hmm. has some connections to some of the ideas that we've talked about so far, yeah. but it's some, somewhat so slightly different area. I'm more focused on around health. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. We were kind of talking about that bit last night, weren't yeah, we? Actually? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Grand. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Rachel. That was. Uh, I hope, we hope you enjoyed that, dear listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, found it useful. Hopefully, that um, you know there may have been a man out there listening to this that yeah. some of that might have been useful to you.
1: I hope so. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so if you have enjoyed the show, please do share it amongst your peoples. Uh, you know, a gentle kind of nudge here and there through WhatsApp and Hey, I heard this great podcast. You should really listen to it or? <laughs> that would be great if you want to put it on Twitter you could I mean you know Twitter's mm-hmm. a hellscape but you could put it on you I put did it on not Twitter. find
1: Twitter a hellscape let's not be generalising about this it's a lovely um, place
0: of you as I'll, long
1: as you block the right people
0: <laughs> <fine>. um, <laughs> uh, I'll put it on Instagram you, can, you can't share things on Instagram it's pointless it's just pictures isn't it but <laughs> tell people about it on Instagram <laughs> <laughs> and our website is <laughs>
1: megjohnandjustin.com
0: you can download, download our like, scenes as you can tell I'm on like a Social media hate week at the moment. Yeah, yeah, we're feeling that. I'll come back to it. Yeah. Another point. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so all our stuff's at makejohnandjustin.com and... Please subscribe to this podcast and like us and leave us a review where you can.
1: Yeah, and you can find out about Seduction on um, Bish UK website, your website, Justin. It says how to, uh, how to seduce someone, isn't it? Yeah, but, and, it says, and then it says don't. Don't, don't do it.
0: <laughs> Very popular. <but laughs> Similarly,
1: we, we cover it from a similar perspective in Enjoy Sex, however, well than if you want to. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and also now republished a Sex, a Practical Guide, just to confuse everyone. Yes. Uh, two separate books. Don't buy both of them. Because they're the same book. Yeah. Uh, Buy one, give one the other one to a friend. Uh, Okay, so that is it. Uh, Until next time. Bye now. Bye.